You're listening to Kevin Stock Radio. Hey, it's Kevin, and thank you for joining me today. Uh, I'm excited to dive into today's episode, which is kind of a continuation on the previous episode where we talked about making hard decisions, specifically two kinds of very hard decisions. Uh, And one of those kinds of hard decisions is sunk cost. So the example that I used in that episode, which is a personal example of my life, is where you spend a whole lot of time, a whole lot of money to and, you, and to get to something. So in my case, I spent a lot of time studying chemistry in undergraduate and biology and business, and then I went to dental school. And then at the end of that, I, you know, I had hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. I've spent 26 years of my life getting to that point, and I wasn't so sure that you know dentist, dentistry was my ultimate calling. And so a sunk cost is saying, okay, the last 26 years may not have been... Uh, it may not be what I want to do. And so switching to something else and acknowledging that the other thing was not what you want to do, that, that would be a sunk cost. Uh, and then the other hard decision is kind of the opposite of a sunk cost. It's where you're living a life that is very, very good, very comfortable. However, you may have some deep yearning inside that says you want to do something else. Uh, it may not be logical. It probably isn't logical. And from the outside looking in, it seems incredibly impractical. Uh, but th- this next kind of hard decision is giving up a very good, comfortable life and risking that for something that's calling for you. And so that brings me to today's episode because that's kind of what happened in my life. So for the first 26 years of life, I got very educated, spent a lot of money, spent a lot of time becoming a dentist, which did not feel like maybe that's my calling. Uh, And so I then was able to start a private practice where I was working one day a week. I was working on a couple side projects, one being an intranasal device to better help treat patients snoring and sleep apnea. And another another being an educational technology company uh, that was designed to help people prevent from doing what I did, to help them have better foresight into their future. And so I want to talk about this educational technology company today, the idea for it, uh, how I risked everything on it, and lessons learned. And so let's dive into that. So the idea for this this software originally was for high schools to offer this software to their students. And the software basically did one thing. It took all these online courses from hundreds of universities and it aggregated them all into one place and it helped personalize it to an individual student's interest. And the idea is a high school student is not exposed to a whole breadth of educational opportunity and potential career paths. And by opening up this massive catalog of courses, the idea was students would be able to better explore their interest have a better idea of what they might want to study in college if they want to go to college or maybe they just want to do online learning and jump into a job straight from there but it would open up so many more options in my view so well before I want to say 2015 I interviewed basically every uh, principal in St. Louis got their feedback they really liked the idea but it didn't seem like something that they could pay for or were ready to pay for at that time 
So long story short, I pivoted the company to selling this software to companies and companies would then enable their employees to take online courses and continue their education. Because I truly believe that if you're not continuously learning, then you're falling behind. And companies believe this as well. They want their employees to continue to learn and grow. Uh, employees want to continue to learn and grow. So it was a very natural fit. So nonetheless, 2017 came around. And at the beginning of the year, I had a private practice where I was working one day a week, making good money. I was working on this nasal device and this educational software program. Uh, and life was very, very good. I had a lot of time freedom, a lot of money freedom. Uh, however, I applied CredEd, which was the name of the educational software technology, to an incubator in San Francisco. And basically an incubator is where I've, the company would go work with other companies, startup companies. We have kind of mentorship. And basically the whole idea is to kind of launch your company from idea to full-fledged <laughs> business. So I applied our company. We were still premature. We didn't, the, the software wasn't done. We didn't have any customers or anything. We were still building, building and talking and, and business planning. But nonetheless, the, the company was accepted into the accelerator. Uh, actually at the end of 2016, it was accepted. So coming into 2017, I had to decide, okay, do I want to give up this private practice, which is basically funding my life and my projects? Do I give up this nasal device, which I've put a ton of time and money into? Uh, and, and do I give up everything in St. Louis and move to San Francisco? So this was the uh, decision that, the hard decision that I had to make uh, that we talked about in that last episode where I had a very, very good, comfortable life going and to give it all up to go all in on this startup idea seemed very illogical, uh, especially moving to San Francisco, which is extremely expensive. So basically this was going to take all the money more than I had to make happen. I was going to have, I was going to have to give up that my private practice. Uh, and then, you know, I was afraid I, I wasn't going to give up on the nasal device, uh, but I was afraid that it was, this was going to take a lot of time away from that. So I made this decision to go ahead and accept the application. Uh, since we got accepted, ex, ex, uh, you know, accept the invite into this incubator. And in February, the end of February, uh, I, I moved with my business partner to San Francisco to go all in on this idea. And so starting in March, 2017, I was full-time building this educational technology company where I was threw myself into B2B sales, which means basically my days consisted of, I would you know wake up, I would get to the office at 5 a.m. every single day. And it's not like that was a requirement of the incubator or anything, but it's, you know, when you have put all your money in on something, you're going all in, uh, you know, there's a lot of drive and passion behind that. And so I'd get to the office at 5, 5 a.m. every day. And basically you research companies that would find value in this product, find the right person to contact, email that person, call that person, follow up with that person, and do that for literally hundreds of people hundreds and hundreds of companies and people every week. And so that's what the day-to-day -day consisted of when I when I moved to San Francisco. And it's not like I wanted to be a B2B salesman, but that's just what was required at the time while my business partner was developing the software because uh, it still wasn't fully deployable. 
And so March went by, April, March, April, May. Come May, I've been working 15 hours a day, seven days a week, trying to get anyone to you know try our product uh, or buy our product. And it was May or early June when we got the first company to purchase the product. Uh, which is a it's, which is a funny story into itself. I'm not going to go into it now. Uh, it'll be we can talk about that uh, maybe in a future episode of business lessons uh, or startup lessons. But we got our first sale, and at the same time, I am also meeting with my partners who I'm working with building the nasal device. So I didn't give that up. I'm still working on that remotely. I'm running this startup, uh, and so I'm spending a whole lot of time uh working and this is relevant i I, i'm getting to the point here in a little bit so let's fast forward throughout 2017 the same grind continues of basically b2b sales 15 hours a day seven days a week while also trying to fit in uh meeting with my partners with the nasal device and we get a couple companies to purchase our software product Things are going okay. Uh, And then we're hit with a bombshell towards the end of the year because it seems like things are going great. Uh, But so to understand this bombshell at the end of the year, we, the the business model, credit what we did, we aggregate online courses, okay, from hundreds of universities. And some of the hundreds of universities put them all on some platform known as Coursera. So we would aggregate all of Coursera's courses edX was another platform which had lots of university courses. We aggregate all theirs. Uh, Udemy is another platform which has lots of online education. And so we weren't creating any of these courses. We didn't own any of these courses, but we're aggregating them all into one platform so that these businesses basically had a one-stop shop where employees could you know, take courses from Harvard or from some expert that taught a course on Udemy. And when we started, our, our partners... Uh, these educational institutions who were creating the actual content, the actual courses, uh, and they would pay us about 20% on average commission when when we would sell a course, they were directly selling to students. They didn't have any B2B model. But it turned out a lot of our vendors, a lot of these course suppliers, saw that individuals, students, weren't really all that willing to pay for education, but companies were. So our vendors slowly began to roll out their own B2B uh, their own B2B uh, products, let's call them. And so this started to turn into a little bit, they saw us a little bit as competitive. So even though we were selling their courses, they still began to sell us as, as competitive. And one of the one of the uh, our biggest vendors <laughs> called me, the CEO called me and said, Hey, we appreciate you selling our courses, but we are very much directly competitors uh, now. And what happened is one of the people that I had been in talk with at a big company who was interested in buying our product, they wanted to see what's the difference of going with us versus going with one of our vendors. And since the a big difference was, well, if they went with us, they got that vendor as well as all these other vendors all in one place. Uh, we had a very good uh, business model that, that that our vendors couldn't compete with. So they started kicking us off the platform. So our only solution was to keep trying to add more educational providers, uh, 
which was not it was it was not a, a scalable solution, especially if they all started going B two B. So to make a long story short, is our product was <laughs> was 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 not working, and so we had to, we had to think of what to do, uh, and so we we made a hard decision where towards the end of the year basically in december we're like we have sales we have a good business model but this is not going to work uh and so we decided to wind the company down and i'm going to rewind just a little bit to go back into 2017 uh because i was working so many hours it was and even though i was very passionate about it it, it was very draining so i lived on coffee i was trying to do anything where you know i could be at the office at five and basically work until you know 11 p.m and do it again uh and i was drinking a lot of caffeine i was not sleeping well you know i was able to get an out my hour workout in every day but my workouts were terrible and i was like okay this is not healthy or sustainable but what could i do that would give me some you know, some more energy, <laughs> some more, what, what would be able to, where I could power through every day, you know, and have 15 hours a day and feel good and alive without, you know, just chugging coffee all day long. Uh, and so, you know, one of the things that come to mind is, is our culture of, you know, Adderall's and their off brands and basically, Hey, this is energy all day. Uh, but I know that's not healthy. I know that's not a long-term solution. I didn't want to do that. Uh, but I had read a lot about ketogenic diet. I had experimented with ketogenic diets in the past. Uh, and people do a ketogenic diet for a reason of sustained energy, feeling good all day. And I was like, you know what? This is worth a try. Go Really going all in. And I'm not going to go into all the details of uh, what, what, what I did for a ketogenic diet. But basically... If you're, if you're not familiar with the ketogenic diet, it's a very high fat diet, very low carb diet, and what I would consider a pretty darn low protein diet. And so your body is basically running on fat uh, as energy. And I'd done this diet in the past, but I'd always cheated on protein because I was never comfortable on taking my protein down that low. Uh, but I was, but I said at this time, I was like, all right, this is worth it. Uh, you know, I might lose some muscle mass if I drop my protein, but I really want to get into some deep states of ketosis, uh, to see if this is going to enable me to power through my work day in and day out. Uh, so I did this ketogenic diet for probably about six months, uh, in 2017 and I lost over 20 pounds. So just as kind of a guide, I did physique competitions weighing 170 pounds with very, very low body fat. At the end of this ketogenic diet, I was under 150 pounds and my body fat was not as low as it was during those competitions. Even though I was, I still was lean, uh, it wasn't that low. So I basically was wasting away muscle. And even though I may have felt slightly better on this diet, I was like, this is no way, this is no way gonna be continued. So anyways, uh, during 2017, I did come across, uh, long story short, uh, these carnivores who ate literally nothing but meat, drank nothing but water, and they were incredibly healthy. They said they had all these benefits of sustained energy, 
the things I was looking for. And it was interesting because I was reading a lot. I was reading about how, you know, plants and fruits and our, these assumed healthy foods could be the things that are, are zapping you of energy and brain power. Uh, and I was like, hey, if I could do this carnivore diet, it would get rid of my brain fog. I could, you know, be healthy and energized. Uh, you know, it's worth a try, even though this diet seems 100% ludicrous. Like, there's no fiber. That we're, we're like, where's your vitamin C coming from? That there, I had all, all the kinds of questions that I've since researched very thoroughly and, and continue to research today. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I kind of dove right in, and in less than a month, like I had never felt so good before. Uh, like I, I could not remember having so much ener- energy, feeling so good. Things that, things that I, I hadn't realized a long time. Uh, like having very low libido, which, uh, you know, it's something that I had, but wasn't a, a huge issue for me. Like that changed my health changed. I've started putting muscle back on my weight back on. I was it sleeping. My joints were feeling better. And so I was like, this is some kind of miracle diet. Like, I don't understand why is not everyone doing this? So as I, as we were winding the company down, I've was diving deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into this diet because I was just so fascinated. And any of you that have followed uh, any of my blogging, I, I've, I've blogged about health and fitness for a long time. It's been a passion of mine for 20 years. And this was so radically different from basically any diet that I've done in the past. And I've done a lot of crazy diets uh, so I'm I go on, I'm on this massive tangent for a reason. Uh, so, anyways, let's fast forward to January 2018. I we, we we decided to wind down this company that I went all in on, uh, and I found myself at the end of January. I had started a new company called Meat Health, and this company was based off research that I had done where grass-fed, grass-finished beef is basically the kind of meat we should be eating, especially on this carnivore diet. The caveat is grass-fed beef is expensive, uh, but even perhaps even more difficult is grocery stores don't even have the kind of grass-fed, grass-finished beef that is you know, basically hormone-free. Basically, the kind of meat I wanted, I, could, I didn't have access to it, and if I could find it, it was extremely expensive. So what I did was I, I reached out to basically 300 or so farmers here in the United States, and I found the ones that would ship beef, uh, grass-fed, grass-finished beef. Uh, the, so basically the farmers that were farming, they were doing it right. They were, they were raising healthy cattle, and they were, they were raising them the right way environmentally, sustainably. And, and, and these farmers also would ship their meat residentially. And so I aggregated, back to this aggregation model, I aggregated a lot of these farmers together, and every week I find the best deals, and then I could offer these deals to other crazy people, other crazy carnivores like myself who are looking for meat deals. Okay, and so kind of the moral of the story, the moral of this episode is (laughs) at the end of January in 2018, while I was winding down what was very much a passion project, which I had given up everything for, uh, spent more money than I was 
comfortable spending money on that had and you know all perceptions failed uh i had another new company started so the the story is you know i had you know the determination to take a swing and go for it with credit i swung and i missed uh, i gave it a, a very full effort uh but the but the important thing is not just that I gave it the, the effort, uh, but it was after I swung and missed, I was already swinging again. I was already up to bat, ready to swing again. Uh, and I think that's the moral of the story because I it actually, I didn't even realize that until I'm flying back home, meaning moving from San Francisco back to St. Louis in February, where I was like, you know what? I failed one company. Uh, however, you know, as as disheartening and demoralizing and you know kind of embarrassing as that is you go all in on something and you come back empty-handed you like to think you could be the person that makes something happen no matter what uh i had you know i could be proud in the fact that i didn't let it shatter my dreams i didn't let it make me just crawl back into a profession that you know that i that i thought would be unfulfilling uh but instead you know I saw a next good opportunity, something that I was very interested in. Uh, health and fitness, I've been in that field for over 20 years. Uh, and to be able just to get back up at the plate and keep swinging. So I think the moral of the story is, and I've said that a few times now, is, hey, if you get up to bat and you take a swing, first of all, good for you for stepping up to the plate and swinging because most people won't do that. Most people will just stay on the sidelines. They'll watch the other players, uh, but they don't dare step on the field. They don't dare step up to the plate uh, and take a swing. And then if you do swing, you will miss. I think I think that's a fact of life. You know, I, I read a lot of books, and one of the common themes of successful people, because uh, I love biographies, and it's that they they step up to the plate and they swing and they miss and they swing and they miss and they swing and they miss and eventually they hit and they learn how to hit better and better and better. So I swing and I missed in 2017. I learned a lot, not just about B2B sales, but everything from communication and running a company and probably lessons that I learned that I didn't even know that I learned. Uh, and so I, you know, I'm not coming home empty-handed. I'm very excited about Meat Health, uh, where you know people can get deals on grass-fed, grass-finished meat that's uh, sustainable, environmentally friendly. I'll get more into that. Uh, I want to talk more about this crazy diet in later episodes. I, I think diving into it now, uh, we don't we don't have enough time. Dive into it now, but we will in the future to ask so that we can answer a lot of those questions. But I, I'm blogging about it on my blog notes to self a lot uh, and on social media, and I'll keep you informed up to that. But hey, if you've swung and missed, you're not alone. It can feel very lonely when you're at that plate, uh, swinging and missing. It could feel like, oh, I gave up a great life to step up to the plate. And then I swung and missed, and that can really be disheartening and shattering. Uh, but don't let it stop you. Keep the radio going. Dr. Kevin Stock has more coming your way. 
For exclusive content, visit www.kevinstock.io.